Well, for a lot of us, when we think of Memorial Day, we, we, we tend to think of it as kind of maybe the unofficial or the official start to summer. We think of it as getting together with a bunch of people in the backyard, firing up the barbecue, getting together with a bunch of people. Remember getting together with a bunch of people? That was fun. Um, we think of it as you know firing up the grill, maybe getting out in the sun, maybe getting out and floating the river. We think of it as the unofficial or the official start to our summer. And um, well, I think for many of us in, in the past, that's been true. For me, when I was growing up, when I was in middle school and high school, Memorial Day was always something very, very different. And for me, Memorial Day didn't revolve around backyard barbecues or, or getting out on the lake or anything like that. Memorial Day for me always seemed to revolve around a cemetery. And, and before you start to think, oh no, he's one of those weirdos who likes to hang out in cemeteries instead of hanging out with friends at a barbecue. Uh, for me, the reason that I always spent Memorial Day or a big chunk of Memorial Day in cemeteries was the fact that in middle school and high school, I was a trumpet player in our middle school and our high school band. And uh, part of our responsibility at the end of the year was we played in the parade. And as trumpet players, we were responsible for heading to the local cemeteries. And before the sun would come up or as the sun would come up, we would play taps for, for those who had lost their lives in, in, in military service. And so, you know, for, for me, for many of my Memorial Days, it began before the sun came up. Sometimes my mom and dad driving me out before I could drive, and then sometimes me driving out to the local cemetery, meeting another trumpet player, and as the sun come up, we would hit dun-da-da, and then the other trumpet player would go dun-da-da, and we would play through the taps. And then we would do that a few times, and then we would head to, head drive together, to meet up with the rest of the band at the middle school or the high school, and we would go to the start of the parade route. And we would hit the start of the parade route at the beginning in, in, in Watoma, and we would go through the entire town, and we would always end at, at a cemetery. We'd always end at a park where we would commemorate with some patriotic songs, and we'd play taps again. And then we would load up in the school buses, and we would head to Red Granite, our neighboring town, for another parade. And we would do the same thing. We would go through the parade route. We would end in another cemetery. We would end with more patriotic songs, and we would end with, and playing taps again. And so for me, many of my Memorial Days through middle school and high school, through the, the early years of my life, were always spent in a cemetery. And the reason for the parades and the gathering in cemeteries is obvious. On Memorial Day, we honor those who died in active military service. In other words, we gather around headstones to honor what happened at a specific time, at a specific then, and a specific there. And I bring that all up because as we think about Memorial Day, maybe just maybe, there's another way of thinking about a memorial that could be of value to us spiritually. See, I'm not sure exactly what I would call it today, but throughout the Bible, there are a huge number of references to people taking stones and putting them as a physical marker of what happened then and what happened there. And more specifically, it's the people of God taking stones to commemorate what God did then and what God did there specifically. Throughout the Bible, these places were called altars. Sometimes they're called markers. Sometimes they're called memorials. They were a way for people themselves and for generations to come to be reminded that God was a God who had a relationship with his people and who acted on their behalf and at times had met them in special ways, making these special places. Let me give you a few examples of these. Noah built an altar after his family came out of the ark to commemorate that this was a time where his family experienced God's salvation, that amidst all the destruction that had happened, he and his family experienced God's salvation. 
Abraham built many altars when God spoke to him or when God gave him clear direction. But one of the most famous instances of Abraham building an altar or building a memorial was when God gave him the promise that through his descendants, the entire world, not just his little corner of the world, but the entire world would be blessed. And so he built a marker. He built some, got some stones together to build an altar, to build a marker, to remember that moment and that place. His grandson, Jacob, built an altar at a city called Bethel after God appeared and spoke to him there. And that was the moment for him when God became more than his dad's God, where God became personal to Jacob. And Moses built an altar after God was the strength for the Israelites as they defeated the Amalekites in the desert. The first time they faced battle, the first time they faced opposition outside of Egypt, God was their strength. And when Moses would lift his hands, the army would win. And when he put his hands down, the army would lose. That God was the strength of Israel. And, and Moses wanted himself and generations to come to remember that God had been their strength. And then this is my favorite account. When Joshua was leading the people of Israel into the land that became known as the Promised Land, after they had wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, they came to the Jordan River, a fast-flowing, deep-flowing, deep river that they could not naturally cross. There was no way for them to cross with all the people, with all the animals, with all the children. There was no way for them to cross this river. And God told Joshua to send the priests walking into the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was no small thing, the Ark of God's presence. And as God had done, the second that their feet hit the water, as God had done when they were leaving Egypt and he parted the Red Sea, as they now enter the promised land, as their feet hit the water, God stopped the flow of the Jordan River. And the people are able to cross on dry land. The entire nation of Israel entered the promise of God on dry land because God made a way where there was no way. And as soon as they crossed to the other side, the guys holding the ark of the presence of the Lord, they're standing in the middle of the water. And here's what God told Joshua to do. In Joshua chapter 4, it says this, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve, and here's, here's the purpose of this, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off, before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And then he said this, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. While these men were still standing in the middle of the river, holding up the Ark of the Presence of the Lord, which again, this was no small task. This was a gigantic piece of... Of, of material, a gigantic container that contained the Ark of the Covenant, contained the tablets of stone that contained the covenant of the law that God had given the, the nation of Israel. While they're doing this, God says, hey, before you give those guys a break, I want you to do something. And I want you to send 12 guys into the river, and I want you to have them pick up large stones. And that where you cross, I want you to pick up the stones, bring them out, and wherever you spend your first night here in the promised land, I want you to build 
an altar. I want you to build a memorial so that for you and for every generation to come, you have something to look at to remind you that God met you and that God made a way where there was no way. And these stones will be your visual aid and your visual reminder to explain to yourselves and to generations to come. In other words, the memorial is for you so you don't forget who God is and what God has done. And the memorial is for the next generation so you can point to a personal encounter with God, on, with the God that exists on the pages of Scripture. And so here's the thing. I would imagine in your life at some point, whether it was long ago or whether it was very recently, you've had a moment like that. It wasn't a moment where, you, where God stopped the flow of a river so that you could cross it. But it was maybe a moment where God did something profound in you. Maybe it was a time where God met a desperate need of yours in a powerful way. Or maybe it was that he made a way where there was no way that you could see for you to move forward in life. Or maybe you felt that God spoke to you in a way that was clear as day, and you might not have heard an audible voice, but you knew clearly exactly what you were supposed to do. Or maybe God gave you a perfect sense of direction that even in the moment, you just knew it was divine direction. And in our culture, here's the thing, because we tend to be so focused on the future and what comes next, it's easy to forget those special moments or to have them and experience them and go, hmm, God did something. And then to move forward as if life, as if nothing changed and to move forward as if you haven't been changed, to move forward as if God was good and I can't really remember exactly what happened, but I know God was good and I'm just going to keep walking forward through the rest of my life, knowing that God did something back there, but we can't quite remember what it was. And so we certainly can't pass it along to anyone else what encounter we had with God. And so here's why this is so important. Here's why this idea is so important. The idea of creating a memorial is so important. If you move ahead without a memorial, you go forward, but you don't grow forward. Let me say that again. If you move ahead without a memorial, you go forward. You keep moving forward, but you don't grow forward. You move forward, but you haven't moved forward better. And the lessons that you learn, they have not changed you. And your experience in this season doesn't help you remember who God is in the next season. So here's what I know. God wants you to live facing forward, but God doesn't want you to forget the lessons that you have learned in the past. And God doesn't want you to forget the lessons that you have learned right now. And for you to not forget and for you to pass what's personal onto the next generation, it might mean that you need to slow down a little bit and memorialize the moment a little bit. Because let's be honest, very few of us have really photographic memories where we remember the details and we remember how we felt and remember what was going on and remember why we needed that moment and remember the desperation we felt and remember exactly what God spoke to us or remember who God used to say something to us. We need to memorialize the moment so that we don't just go forward, but that we actually grow forward. Okay, so to talk about what memorializing a moment looks like or what it looks like to memorialize a moment, here's three practical steps that I would love for you to take. Number one, when you have one of those moments, when God speaks to you, when God shows you something, when you, when you learn something about God's faithfulness that in, in a moment that you, you know, can't experience in an easy, easy moment, but you find out in a difficult moment, when you have one of those moments where you learn something special about God or you learn something new about God or God reveals himself in a special way, the first thing that you've got to do is write it down. 
I mean, this is, this is kind of the basic level of, of building a memorial, but to write it down. Some people call this journaling, but I would say what, what makes this a little bit different than just basic journaling is this would be to have, you know, journaling is kind of like, here's what I read today, here's what I prayed today, here's what I was feeling today, a little bit like a, a spiritual diary. This would be a, a special notebook or a special, a special journal that's dedicated to those special moments, dedicated to those moments where I was in desperate need and God met my need. Des- feel th- those special moments where I was praying, asking God for direction, and I was praying, asking God for direction, and I didn't know what next, step, what next step to take, and all of a sudden, God made it crystal clear and unmistakable what I was supposed to do next. God provided the next step. It's those moments where God does something special. You could call this your special moments or your precious moments journal. Please don't do that. That would be really weird. Um, but you, like, whatever you want to call this, this would be the moments journal. This would be the memorial journal. The moments I don't want to forget and I want to talk about and I want to write out clearly so I don't forget what God did in me and what God did for me. You find a way and a system for writing down those moments. This is the key moments, the big moments, the special moments, the moments that change you and you don't want to forget how and why it changed you. See, this matters because there's something in our brain where, where when we actually write down something, not type it in a note in our phone, not type it on a computer, on a, on a keyboard, but actually write something down. When we write something down, it triggers something in our memory. And when you write down what God has done, you don't forget what God has done. So the first step is to write it down. The second step is to make it creative. Now, this is, this is the, the part where if you're going, is Chris about to tell us that we should walk into the middle of a river and grab some stones and build a memorial? I'm not telling you that. But maybe, just maybe, I'm a little bit telling you that. This is finding a way to make something creative, to make something visual, because so many of us, we're visual learners, we're tactile learners, where we want to do something with our hands and our, and, and our, and our fingertips, that we want to touch something, that we want to see something, because that helps us to embrace it and helps us to, to kind of make it concrete in our brains. So for some of you, you have such incredible creative brains, you have such incredible creative minds, you have such tactile learning styles that for you to make it a memorial, you've got to make it creative. And for some of you, the more visual that you can make the memorial, the better that you'll remember it and the better you will be at passing it along. Maybe it is stones that you write the story on or you write a key verse that you learned along the way on. Maybe it's a painting that visualizes the thing that you need to remember forever. Maybe it's photography and you write down the moment on the back of it, you, you, uh, the back of the print, you actually print it out. Imagine you don't just have a digital photograph, but you print it out and you, get, and you actually write down you know, what you learned in that season that you were trying to capture on the, on the camera. For some of you, you sent me poems that you have written about experiences that you've had with God where you learned something incredible along the way about who God is and how he's working in you. For some of you, you're like me and you like building things with wood and it seems like I'm usually building something with wood along the same time that God's teaching me something new about himself. And one of the things that I'm learning to do is either to take a Sharpie and somewhere in the, in the, in the inside of whatever I'm building or, or uh, with a wood-burning pen to write something that signifies what God was doing at the time that I was building what I was building. And so here's the thing. When you create, when you make it creative, you make it meaningful. When you, cre- when you make it creative, you make it meaningful to you, and you also create something that other people have a tendency to ask about. And that leads me to the final part of what we do to make it a memorial. The final part is this. We share the story. We share the story. You tell it to someone. 
And a, a couple ways you can do this. You tell it to someone who loves Jesus and cares about what happens to you spiritually. But, and, and, and that matters as people get to celebrate what God has done for you and look at it. And when you see that together, you know, it's like, wow, we remember. Not just I remember, but we remember. But here's another level of this. If you can do this, I think you should share the story with someone who doesn't know a lot about Jesus, but they care a lot about you. Because if you do that, you share your personal encounter, not just a, a passage of Scripture. You share a personal encounter with someone who does not believe in the passage of Scripture, but can come to know the God of Scripture through your personal encounter. And parents, if I could, as your kids grow, make sure to share with them the stories of what God has done in you and for you. I remember a couple of years ago, we went on our annual, um, annual vacation, annual trip to, to Wisconsin for Thanksgiving to see my family. And, uh, and Noble was about six months old. She, had, she was born in June and it was you know, November. So being good at, at, at math, she was about five, six months old. And uh, I remember like, we were, we, there was a day where we were wanting to get out of the house and trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to do and how we were going to kill some time. And, and so I remember saying, hey, you know what? We should go up to Spencer Lake. And it, for those of you guys who don't know what Spencer Lake is, Spencer Lake was the, the Christian campground that I went to growing up. It was where I went to kids camp and middle school camp and high school camp. It's where I worked during my summers. It's where I worked during my summers in high school and in college. Had a lot of great moments at, at Spencer Lake. And my mom and, and Jalen kind of looked at me. And Jay, I've, I've taken Jalen to, to Spencer Lake before. This was not the first time that I've wanted to take a family member to, to, to Spencer Lake to show them around. Um, and everyone kind of looked like, we really want to go to Spencer Lake? And I was like, yeah, I want to go to Spencer Lake. I want to take Noble by Spencer Lake. And so we go, and, and we're walking around this campground, and Noble's, you know, we put Noble down in a patch of leaves, and we got some, some pretty pictures of her. And it was like, oh, what a special moment. But the special moment for, for me and, and for, for Noble, and this is something that we'll repeat over, over the years, um, the special moment for me was as we were walking around the campground, eventually we came to the area that when I was growing up, it was called the Tabernacle. I don't know what they call it now, Worship Center, something like that. Um, and I, and I, I grabbed Noble, you know, little five-month-old Noble in my arms, and I pointed to the building and I said, hey, Noble. I kind of whispered in her ears, just loud enough that my mom and Jalen could hear it. I whispered, I said, I just want you to know that that building right there, that's where God, that's, that's where God called Daddy to ministry when he was 12 years old. And you won't remember what I'm telling you right now. But every couple of years when we come, come up here, I'm going to bring you here because I want you to know that God has a calling on people's lives. And I said, and also, that's the place where Daddy fought that call to ministry for, for about five or six years. And I want you to know it's okay to question the call and it's okay to fight the call. But at some point, you got to give in to the call. And Noble looked at me at five months old and she said, Thank you, Daddy, for this incredible lesson. That's not what happened. But every couple of years, we will go there. And we will talk about the call of God because I want her to know that people are called by God and that she has a specific call of God on her life. And that when God knocks, it's okay to fight it. But eventually, we surrender to it. So here's the thing. At some point along the way, you've got to find a way for the big moments, the special moments, the key moments, you write it down, you make it creative, and at some point you share the story. You share it with someone that you want to come to know Jesus. You, want to, you share it with someone who knows Jesus and will celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life and what he has done for you. You share it with your kids so that they know that there is a God who is a personal Lord and Savior 
for them because it's bigger than, than a God of, on, on the pages of a scripture. He's still active and alive in our lives today. And when you share the story, other people know that God is active and your story becomes more than your story. So we write it down, we make it creative, and we share the story. So here's the thing. It's Memorial Day weekend. And maybe just maybe for you, if you're going to go forward, if you're going to grow forward, not just go forward, it's time to make it personal. It's time to make a memorial. It's time to stop just moving on to the next thing. It's time to remember what God has done in you. Remember who God has been. Remember what God has shown to us. It's time to make a memorial so that we don't just go forward, but we grow forward. And we're actually better in the next season because of what we learned in this season. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done to us, what you've spoken to us, what you've done in us, what you've done for us, what you want to do around us, and what you want to do through us. God, I thank you for all of those moments in my life. I thank you for the moments in the lives of everyone who's watching right now. I thank you for those moments. And God, I thank you that we have the opportunity for a moment to become something that moves us forward, for a moment to be something that builds a movement. And God, I just simply pray that for every single one of us, we wouldn't have the moment and then just move on, but we would allow that moment to become something real in our lives that becomes a memorial of what you have done and how you have changed us so that we can move forward as the men and women that you've called us and created us to be. So God, help us to take the time to make the memorial so that we can move forward better. We can move forward stronger. We can move forward more confident that you are with us every step of the way, that you never leave us, that you never abandon us, and that you are still active and moving among us today. So help us to remember that, God. Help us to take the step to, to make it a memorial so that a moment can become a movement. We love you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.